I give honor on today, amen. I just, I, I, I feel good. I feel good. Um, and the reason that I feel good is because I know that he's with me. Amen. I know that he's with me. I told my, I told my wife this week, I said, I'm good at my job. Amen. And she was looking at me like, what, what you mean? And I just say, I, I say, I'm, I'm good at being pastor. And, I, and I'm not saying that in a boastful way. Amen. But. I know that he's with me. I know, I know when it's him talking to me. I know when I'm in my feelings and I'm just, I'm saying that to boast on him saying, I'm saying that to say, I would not be good at, at my job if he didn't bring me and put me where I am today. Amen. So all that I am, he made me that way. So yeah. I can be, I can be glad and yeah. I can be rejoicing the person that I am Amen. because I know who I used to be. Yeah. Amen. I know who I used to be. So I know he got to be with me because who I used to be, amen, was nothing like the person that I am today. Amen. So that's just my little own, my little testimony. Amen. Um, but as I go into the word, God has given me the title on today, Feed the Promise. So for those uh, who have been here, for those who have not been here, we've been in this, this series called Family Matters and, and just about the importance of, of, of spiritual family, about being a part of the family of God. and all that that means and you know when you are part of the, when you're born into the family of God and God starts to try to work in your life that it's a it's a process to it and we need the word to help us understand what we're going through in that process and so this Sunday I'm going to be in Matthew the fourth chapter amen and y'all can stay seated as I read this and so what I'm getting ready to read to you is Matthew 4 verses 1 through 4 amen and it reads then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Right? Command that these stones be made bread. But he, talking about Jesus, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. 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 So we've gone from in chapter one, we've gone from um, Joseph, the father of Jesus. We've gone from from Joseph in this in this preconceived Jesus not being born yet in chapter one. Joseph had to accept the promise. He had to accept the responsibility, right? Jesus is not born yet. So we have we have gone from this preconceived notion of Jesus. He ain't even here yet, right, in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, we go to toddler Jesus on the run. He running for his life. Harry trying to kill every baby boy two years old and, and young in chapter 2. In chapter three, we go to a, a, a mature Jesus. He's getting baptized, right? And now in chapter four, we have tempted Jesus, right? And so we see these four chapters. We see the maturity. We see we see in his ministry. We see how Jesus often unfolds in our life, right? We go from this preconceived notion of Jesus. We know about him, but he really ain't in our life. You know, you heard grandmama talk about him. You heard auntie talk about him. But, you know, you have to decide whether you want the responsibility of being a Christian, right? You've heard about it, but I don't really know if I want to take on the responsibility of trying to live for Jesus. 
So he's just a, he's just an idea in your head. He's, he's not really birthed in your life. You ain't born again yet. That's chapter one. And then if you if you make the decision, because somebody maybe need to make a decision today. So then if you make the decision to accept Jesus, you can't expect that when you accept him, you just gonna start running like you mature. It's gonna start out where you just toddler Jesus and you know it's gonna be things and people in, in the world that's gonna try to, oh, you a Christian now. You sure you don't wanna go do what we used to do? And you know you because you're toddler Jesus, you still kind of like, you still kind of thinking about. Without, you know, maybe. You ain't gave up everything yet. And see, that's why a lot of people end up, they stop running the race because they think when they give their life to the Lord, everything's going to change instantaneously like that. But it don't work like that. So that's chapter two, right? Chapter two was protect the promise. You got them, now you got to protect them. Because Satan ain't going to just let you go. He ain't going to just let you go. Right? And then in chapter three, in chapter three, you know, you start to realize this Jesus thing is real. I need to go on and maybe make an open declaration of who I serve. And that's that's what it means to get dipped in the water, right? That's an outward sign for the world to see who you belong to. So you're kind of growing up. You're going through steps. And when I was thinking about this, you know, and, and, and I was thinking is a lot of times people get saved and they get baptized the same day. And I be wondering, do they even know what it means when they go when they get dipped in the water? But that's a whole nother conversation, right? So in chapter three, we see this this baptized Jesus; he's maturing. But that's not the end of the race because after you make that open declaration, here comes tempted Jesus. Here comes tempted Jesus. So you might have thought when you was toddler Jesus, you was being tempted. But it's totally different when you're walking for real with the Lord. Amen. And it's totally different because you you be saying to yourself, now, God, I done sold out to you. This bigger than just going to the club at this point in my life, right? I done put some of the I done put some of the toddler stuff down. But when you start talking about mama got cancer, when you start talking about divorce and you but I but but this me now, Jesus, I'm living for you. That's a whole nother type of test. Yeah. That's a whole nother type of test. And so in these chapters, in in the way we see Jesus' life unfolding, it's very similar to how the promises in our life unfold and how things in our life unfold. First, they are preconceived. Then they grow in infancy. And the thing about that is that is Satan's preferred place to kill a dream. He don't want you to get mature now. He don't want you to get mature. Like, you know, you heard the saying it's like taking candy from a baby. That's when Satan really want to snatch your promise. He really want to snatch it when you're a baby because he know that if you get bigger, you know, you're going to be thinking, well, I can go toe-to-toe with you a little bit now, right? You know, you know, in your pre-saved days, right, when you was a baby, you'd be scared of a whooping. But then when you get older, you'd be thinking, I might can take mom. You know, and she ain't going to whoop me, no, I might can take her. So Satan try to snatch your Jesus from you when you smile because he know when you get a little bit bigger, you you might have more fight in you. Amen, amen. Amen. And so I want to tell you that, like, as we are maturing, the way that you get stronger is you have to feed your promise. You got to feed your Jesus. You got you to gotta feed him, right? That's, that's what fellowship is. When they sitting around that table and they were breaking bread, right? They were, they were, they were communing. You got to feed your spirit. 
You can't expect to, to, to fight temptation and to fight Satan and you don't have no time spent communing with Jesus. So we grow and we develop in accordance with what we feed our spirit. If you feed your spirit evil things, don't be surprised when you're surrounded by evil things. And when you feed your spirit Jesus, don't be surprised when all you see is things that revolve around Jesus. So I thank God for the little table talk we had this morning and, and minister asked us, can we, can we see um, in, with all the relationships in our life, can we see God's hand on it? And, and, and Brother Janelle was saying he can see it now because his circle is small and he doesn't have people in his life that present a negative influence. And the reason for that is when you start feeding your Jesus, negative stuff and negative people start falling off. Because either you're going to draw them to your side and they're going to want Jesus too, or they're going to be saying, I can't get down with that and they're going to leave you alone. So you're going to just find yourself growing spiritually in accordance with what you feed your spirit. And so when we read that scripture, Jesus said, you know, say this, he said, you know, if you if you really who you say you are, take these stones and turn them to bread. And Jesus was Jesus' response was, you know, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So my question to you right now is, what is bread? If Jesus say bread is not enough, then what is bread? So I start thinking, you got actual bread, like the bread you make a peanut butter and jelly with, actual bread. Right. You can have that means you can have a refrigerator full of food right now and still not be all right in your spirit. Food alone, comfort alone is not enough. Right. Then I start thinking about slang terms. We call money bread, dough, cheese, cheddar, all them terms. Right. You can have all of that stuff and your spirit still not be right. Right. So what 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 those stones represent, what breads represent is an illusion. Satan was telling Jesus, take, take these stones, take this nothing, and make it into something. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to try to take nothing and turn it into something. Right? He wants us to take something and make it, and, and take nothing and turn it into something. And the reason that he wants us to do, do that, because that's a characteristic of God. Only God can do stuff like that. Only God can speak into nothingness. Only God can say, let there be light, and something appears. So what Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to do was to act like God. If you, if you say you're the son of God, then act like him. But at this point in Jesus' ministry, he said he hasn't ascended yet. Satan was trying to get Jesus to trust in himself. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to trust in, your, in, in yourself. He says, sister and brother, I want you to make something out of nothing. Depend on the works of your own head. Jesus say, I ain't doing that. Because that ain't going to, trusting in myself ain't going to do me no good. The only thing that can save me right now is if I trust in the word of God. Jesus' response was, that we cannot live by bread alone. We can't live by the works of our hand alone. And so Jesus goes through, and when you read this narrative, you know that there are three temptations. And that's the first one. Satan asked Jesus to turn these stones into bread because I want you to know that Satan works through our hunger. He tries to appeal to you 
through your hunger. Oh, you hunger for a man, huh? Let me see it one your way. Oh, you hunger for money, huh? That's what you went to? Let me see it that your way. You hungry to be married. Let me sin that your way. He tries to appeal to us through our hunger because he wants us to take nothing and make it into something. Was it a coincidence that the temptation in the garden revolved around food? Right? He wants to appeal to He say, oh, let me see what you got an appetite for. And then I'm going to try to get you fat off of it. And then I'm going to slaughter you just like a pig. I'm going to try to get you so invested in whatever it is that you desire that you take your eyes off God. And then when you take your eyes off God, then I'm going to cut you down and slaughter you. That's how he works. So then I said, now God, so why would you give us physical bodies to feel anything if these bodies just going to create a problem for us? Why would you give us a desire, right? Why would you even make us to desire? Why Why you make it where bacon tastes good or chicken or whatever it is that you like? Why would you make this taste good? Why would you make sex feel good? Why would you do all of these things? And his response was, because I want to I wanna help you understand what it means to live. God said he came to give life and life more abundantly. It's not that he wants us to sit around being sad, but he does want us to have control over our passions and our desires. He wants us to have control over our passions and desires. He wants us to understand what it means to live, to be able to create. You can't can't make a baby if you don't have sex. He wants you to understand what it feels like to create something and then have to protect something. And then have to steward something and take care of it and raise it like he does for us. And so the more we the more we love and learn love love other people the right way, the more we learn about how God loves us. So that's why he made us to feel. What happens to us is we let our desires, we let our appetite for sin take over rather than our appetite for God. So simple adherence, simply following and remember what God has said and, and making it out in your heart to do it, curbs your desires. You saying not my will, but your will, right? And I need to also let you know that Jesus' first response, don't think your first response going to stop Satan. Don't think your first response going to stop him. Your first response is not going to stop them, right? The word says that uh, the, the next test, right? The next test, Matthew 4, 5 through 7. It says, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him, if thou wilt be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Right? Right? So Jesus' first response didn't stop Satan for coming at them. Satan just said, Let me come up with another test. And I want to tell you, no matter what kind of test he come up with, the test is always the same. He just packaged them differently. But the test is always the same. 
Satan tries to test you to get you to test God. And say that again. Satan tries to test you to try to get you to test God. It's almost like with this, with this, with this particular temptation, it's like Satan said, God, when Satan does stuff like this, it's like he's saying, How far will God let you go? Right? How far will God let you go before he really lets you go? I'm just explaining that. So in the garden, right? In the garden, you won't surely die. Right? Is he really gonna get mad at you if you do? How far will he how far, right? How far, how much can I sin before he really give up on me? You know what I mean? And see, that's how temptation works. Same wants you to keep tiptoeing out there. How far can you go before God lets you go? So he tests you to see if you're going to test God. But Jesus' response was, once again, it is written, you shall not test God. So even though I know God loves me, and even though I know he forgives me, I'm not just going to keep tiptoeing out there to see how far I can go before he lets me go. And I want y'all to understand all these things that I'm reading, right? Jesus is turning Satan around every time with the word. You got to feed your promise, right? You got to. So Jesus goes from the third chapter. He gets baptized. Immediately, he's in the he's in this wilderness being tested. As soon as you open up your mouth, right? When you say you're giving your life to the Lord, it's going to get harder, not easier. Go on and put that in your head. Put that in your head so you won't be disappointed when you start serving Jesus and then stuff start going haywire in your life. So if, if you do that, and I'm going to say I told you something, you'd be mad at yourself. When you start serving God, it does not get easier. It gets harder. And I start saying, so, so I need you to understand. God wants you to understand when he tests you, it's to test your faith. He's trying to build your faith level. You see, when he tests you, it's like he's saying, I love you. It can't be easy always. That's not reality. If it's easy always, you're going to stop believing in me. You're going to stop trusting in me. So I, I got I to gotta let it. I got to let it get hard sometimes for you. I got to let it get hard sometimes for you so you will continue to lead. That's like when Paul, he did the words, he had a thorn in his side. And as much as he prayed, it wouldn't move. And God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? I can't take this away because think about how powerful Paul was. If Paul walking around with all that power and you know, don't go through no trial and tribulation, Paul going to start thinking, man, I can do what God do. <laughs> I can make something out of nothing. I got all this power. I can do what God do. God knows that about, about us. So it has to get hard in our life sometimes because God got to knock us down a notch to remind us that he's God and not us. Right? But when Satan tests you, he trying to kill you. He trying to kill you. And he can, he can only do what Satan would know. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. Think about him like a dog. And God got a leash on him. Every time, you know, he can bark and do all of that stuff and run up on you. And God can just snatch him by the collar, just snatch him back whenever he get ready. The problem is, sometimes we slap God's hand and we we let Satan off the leash. Now he just running around the house chewing up all your stuff. 
And you like, God, where are you? God was like, I was holding him back. But you let him off the leash. You let him off the leash. Satan can only do what God's allowed, what, what God allows. So when Satan tests you, he's trying to kill you. And the way that he kills you, right? The way that he kills you is through temptation. He wants you to feed. He can't make you. Satan can't make you do nothing. Y'all give him way too much credit. He can't he make you do that. He tempted you to. He tempted you to. He said, look, look at this plate right here. Don't you want some of that? And you feed it. You feed your desires. You eat it up. You drink it up. Right? When really you should push that plate away. What did the word in those first four verses, what did the word say Jesus was doing in the wilderness? He went just out there. He was fasting. He was pushing stuff away. I don't want no more of that. I don't want no more of that. I don't want no more of that. And it would seem like, see, and that's how things operate in, in, in the spiritual realm. It would seem like the more you eat, the stronger you get. But that's gluttony. Right? Jesus was getting stronger by turning stuff down. He was getting stronger by fasting. Not by eating up everything and being a part of everything that can't come, come your way. Just because it look good don't mean it's good for you. Just because it tastes good. When I read Psalm, it say taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a lot of stuff in this world that tastes good, but it's not good for you. Amen. And what I love about the word, I want to say this in Isaiah, one of those prophets, it say when, the, when that prophet was eating up the word, it said at first it was better. And that's how the word is to us sometimes. Sometimes it's like when, when somebody preaching and they all, they all up in your business, it don't feel good. But once the nutrients get on the inside of you and you start to feel better, you start to see the benefits of what you've been feeding your soul. Right? Ooh. I'm all over the place. I ain't even in the notes no more. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. So Matthew 4, 8 through 10. This is the last temptation. So Satan didn't stop after the first time. Satan didn't stop after the second time. Satan said, let me run this thing back one more time. It says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain. He said, so basically what that means, let me go deep into my bag of tricks. And let me show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them all. And said unto him, all these things I will give to thee if thou will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Thou shalt not worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Every time, let me tell you something, every time you back Satan up, amen, and this, this, is, a, this is another, here, here's another uh, a nugget for y'all. Here's another nugget for y'all. One of the ways that you know something is the devil is when people, they go into desperation mode. All right. All right. Same like when, when you you know he gonna first he gonna try to be sweet hey, hey. right yeah he might even try to laugh with you hey, joke and when he see that you ain't falling for them old little tricks he starts to get angry he goes into desperation mode have y'all ever been in a relationship with somebody 
and and y'all having a conversation and it started out first you laugh and first you joke and then the person just go like left and they are like Ooh. Like, why you got that mad? Why that touch such a nerve right there? That's Satan. He's the, that's that double my life. Like, that's that, that's, that's, that's that mind, right? God is the same all the time. He's just God. God emotions don't fluctuate like this. God don't be on no roller coaster ride with how he feels about stuff. What he say is what he mean, and that's it. Same be all over the place. So Satan is getting desperate to try to tempt, Je- to, to tempt Jesus. Right? Desperation has set in. And because he's desperate to destroy you. Right? And the idea at this point, when Satan gets desperate like that, if you pay attention, that's when you can really see what Satan is trying to do. Which is he's trying to get you to worship him. And he wants you to make the same mistake that he made, which is a total denial that God is God. So that you can get kicked out of heaven just like he did. Jesus' response to Satan was, man, bye. Bye. That needs to be our response. Sometimes, right, why, why, why do we feel the need to go back and forth with people that ain't talking about nothing? Just say bye. I don't want to talk about this. I don't have the time and the energy to go in circles with you, Satan. Bye. Get the hints, meaning get from before me. Jesus was like, I'm done. He pushed the plate away. I don't, you, can't you tell? I don't want what you're trying to feed me. Ask yourself right now what Satan has been offering you recently. Right? What lie has he been offering you? Has he been telling you that you got to be married to be happy? Right? Has he has he has Satan been telling you you're supposed to be at this point in your life to be happy? Last time I checked, my God was in control of all time and space and eternity. So you can't mean it. So time don't mean nothing to him. So why are you believing a lot at 30 or 40 or whatever you are? You're supposed to be at a certain point in your life. Right. Has he been telling you you should have had this by you should have had your house by now? My God got a house that's made that's not made by hand. So it don't really matter what I got down here. Amen. Right? Has he been telling you you too old? You too young? You too dumb? You too black? You too poor? You too far gone? Push the plate away. That's right. Amen. I ain't buying that. How Abraham, how old Abraham when he started pumping up, baby? Remember the promise feet, the like protect the promise feet, the promise. He was old. My aunt sent something in our little family group. She says Samuel L. Jackson was almost 50 years old before he got his first major role. It's never, it's never too late. No. All of those things are lies. So when Jesus pushed the plate away, Matthew 4 and 11 tells us that the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came to minister. Angels came to minister. A lot of times we had that back. As soon as we go through something, we want the angels to come in right there. <laughs> right? Because the first day it happened, I, Lord, I need my angel right now. But if you don't go through the will, if you don't go through that period, then you don't get stronger. So I, I need to let y'all know because in the next chapter, Jesus is getting ready to preach the greatest sermon of his life. 
the Sermon on the Mount. You can't preach the Sermon on the Mount if you ain't been through nothing. So you can't do what you are called to do if you don't go through the wilderness chapter first. So in the 17th verse in 17, as Victor says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Right. We got a whole bunch of preachers that started preaching before they went through the wilderness. Right. We got a whole bunch of preachers that started preaching, but they never they're not really protecting the promise. They're not feeding the promise. Right. Look at the like if your ministry and your life don't look like Jesus life. Jesus was on. Jesus was running for his life at age two. Jesus was trying to stay at age twelve. Jesus was telling mom and daddy, "Don't you know I'm about my father's business?" His whole life, Jesus, when they answer, he say, "I was born for this per for this purpose. Set captives free, give sight to the blind." His whole life was about ministry. So it wasn't until he went through these tests to the 17th verse, Jesus coming out like, I can do this. From that time, he began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? He takes up the mantle of John the Baptist. He starts saying, okay, now I'm ready now. You know, John was telling y'all, but now it's me. It's one thing for me to tell you, get your life together. I don't think none of us want to be standing for Jesus and have to hear that. You should have got your life together. And so then I close with the 18th and the 19th verse. Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He begins to preach. He begins to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The 18th verse says, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you a fishers of, of men. Right? You can't make nobody follow. You can't lead nobody to Jesus. And you ain't been through that. They're going to smell your fake Jesus from a mile away. They're going to smell your fake Jesus from a mile away. Because as soon as something happens in your life and you revert back to the street, whoever you are, B.C., B.C., Jonathan, before Christ, Jonathan, they're going to say, you a Christian? That's because you haven't been used to turning, turning Satan down. You haven't been feeding your promise. And that is the problem with so many Christians today. We get put in situations where we should be pushing the plate away and the world just see us eating the same thing they eat. They see us doing and responding the same way they respond. When in order to be like Christ, we got to push the plate away. Amen. Amen. Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand for his word. Feed 
your promise, y'all. Feed your Jesus. God just walked us through the steps on the day. And I believe we got somebody at every single level right now. We got somebody in here that's saying, okay, he talking about Jesus. That don't have nothing to do with me. Right? That's the preconceived Jesus. You need to know that he has, he, he God is trying to do something in your life. He's trying to birth something in your life. It's up to you to accept it. Can't no good be birthed in your life until you until you accept to me. Right? Then we got some baby Christians in here, somebody that just done started out. And let me say, you, I don't care how long you've been in the church, you can still be a baby Christian. And that's okay. It's okay. Just protect your promise. And then we got some people who uh they at the stage where they all about, you know, they all about I'm I'm, I'm ready, baptized. Searching out for the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized. Right? You ain't have to stop. All good. And then you got some of us who would feel like you've been walking with Jesus for so long, it feels like you are in the wilderness. And my encouragement to you is to push the plate away. My encouragement to you is to push the plate away. Amen. So regardless of where you are today, whether you want to give your life to the Lord on today, amen, whether you just want to know more about him, whether you know about him and you want to do more, you want to go higher, whether you just need some keeping power to keep running the race and see on what the end is going to be, then he got it for you. But whatever you do, keep feeding, keep feeding, keep feeding. A baby can't grow up if you stop feeding it. Keep feeding it. 